Welcome to the Potion Podcast, your raw look at the hospitality industry, brought to you by SHC. What is happening, Post Shifters? Welcome back to another episode of the Post Shift Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Sean Sewell. Um, I think coming into Christmas, I'm going to reflect a little bit over the last couple of years. And so this episode, I'm going to be uploading all my uh, favorite episodes and doing a little bit of throwbacks. Um, I'm hoping that uh, as we reopen and we start traveling again, that I can start doing interviews with these people again, because it's been a couple of years. And this one is from Jeffrey Morgenthaler. And this episode... Oh, was from the start of the end of 2019, I think. So I thought, like, well, why not dig it up? Let's let's do a, a throwback and uh, listen to this interview from Jeffrey Morgenthaler. I love the guy, and I'm really looking forward to uh, traveling or having him here in Victoria. So, guys, I hope you enjoy it. Merry Christmas! It is getting close to Christmas time, so Merry Christmas, and uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. Bye. So you know what the cool thing is actually about doing it this week is that. Um, is actually the official 10-year anniversary this week since we went to Cognac. Oh, was it really? Yeah. <laughs> like, no. I looked at, I, 10 I, I, or I 11 years? 10. 2010. Oh, okay. Nice. So um, it's perfect to tell the freaking story of how like we met face-to-face because we were friends. It's going to be interesting with this one because we've already taped and so we're going to rehash some stories, but they're good stories. So... Um, like the the episode where we when we first met face to face and we're in Amsterdam and we're sitting down having beers, red eye in it. And it's ten, well, even ten years ago, it's crazy that ten years ago you had your blog. I was in Victoria. It was sort of just like Facebook was only three years old. Social media yeah. was really only three years old. And we're going on this trip with freaking. Salvatore Calabresi, and Peter Dorelli, Francesca LaFaruni, Eric Alper, and like this amazing amount of people. And I know yeah. I felt like a, a huge fraud. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I still do. But. <laughs> do you still do you still have a little bit of uh, imposter syndrome every now and then? Only when I'm doing like, you know, like really big things, you know. Like, I was on... Um, uh, what's it called? Late night with Seth Meyers yeah. last year. Last year? No, year before, I guess. Like uh, a year and a half ago, something like that. And I was like, "There's no reason for me to be here. This is." <laughs> and did they get in touch with you? Because was this before the book? It was um, during the the drinking distilled. Okay, <laughs> it was book tour for that. And um, yeah, I was like. What am I doing on national TV? Like this is completely insane. This makes no sense whatsoever. No sense. Makes no sense. Uh, did drinking distilled come out that long ago? Yeah, uh, yeah, two thousand eighteen. Oh wow! So when did Bible come out? Two thousand fourteen. Seriously. Fuck, yeah, isn't, it, so. isn't it, I always find it super weird that, like, high school seemed to drag on forever and ever, and then when you get to, it, like, your mid-30s, every year blows by really quick. Yeah, it's because being in your mid-30s is awesome, and being in high school, fucking sucks. <laughs> Are we going to, do you want to relive some high school memories? No, I, I, <laughs> I, I don't really even, I didn't really do anything in high school, I don't really have any memories. <laughs> I uh, 
I, uh, I did okay high school. I just decided not to go to university when it was all over. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't really hang out in high school. So after you left, well, now we're going to even get past further back in high school. Like when you left high school, what did you get into? Like how did you start bartending? Well, it was a long time after high school. I I did three years of community college and got my associates in physics. And then I associate in physics. Uh huh. Really? My first and my first degrees in physics. And I sure should have. If I if I had That's gotten a, if I had taken one more math class, I would have gotten a double in math and physics. But I I just didn't feel like taking that last math class differential equations, and so uh, all my friends did. And now I kind of kick myself because I could have in my office I could have framed math and physics degrees along with my architecture degree. <laughs> but whatever. What made you um, go from physics to architecture? Well, I thought I was going to need a lot of math and physics for architecture, but I ended up going to uh, um, a program that was more of an art program than an engineering program, so I didn't actually need all that math and physics. Were you you good at math and physics? Yeah, I was great at it. So it's just one of those curveballs. Like, (laughs) we've known each other for 15 years, and I never even knew you had a, a thing in physics. Well, I mean, how would you? I don't Do you have rained in your house? It's in my office in my house, yeah. That is awesome. Next to my architecture degree. While you're writing books about cocktails. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so you, you, got in, you got into architecture. So what? how old were you when you did start bartending? 24. Okay, so you did start a little bit later than most. Like the classic, like... I left high school, got into serving and busing, just fell into bartending for a given. Yeah. Um, even, like, among my friends at the time, I was kind of a, you know, by the time I started bartending, a lot of my friends that were bartenders had already been bartending for, like, three years. So what I know you were working in an office doing interior design and architecture. What sort of drew you to become a bartender full-time? Like, it's one of those things, like, I got it when I left high school. I had a full diploma, a full um, scholarship off the university to do uh, a, a bachelor's degree in psychology. Um, and I knocked it back and went into bartending, took a year off, and that year's turned into 22 years. Um, mm-hmm. And my mother was always so disappointed in me because of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my younger brother has got like a master's in criminology and my sister's got a PhD in philosophy. And yeah. uh, the eldest son is, uh, for lack of a better word, for a long time, just a bartender. Right. Yeah, same. I mean, nobody wants their, nobody wants their child to grow up and be a bartender. So what sort of forced you to take that leap from what most people outside our industry would call a real job to becoming a bartender full-time? Well, I didn't really take a leap from, from having a real job to being a bartender. I was always a bartender. Um, even when I was working in architecture offices, I was still a full-time bartender on weekends. I just stopped doing architecture. I didn't, like, give it up and, like, go pursue bartending. I was, I've just always been a bartender. You know what I mean? What? 
what do you what do you find that all the stuff that you did for like your architecture skills and stuff come into play when you're working in the industry now? Um, not really at all. I mean, it helps with the you know learning the design process. It certainly helps mm-hmm. when you're designing a cocktail menu or things like that. You know, it's not like it's all for not. Um, I, I feel like everything everything that you learn in your life helps in every other area of your life. So um, this was this is all in Eugene, right? Yeah, this is all when I was lived in Eugene. How many people live in Eugene? Uh I think they're up to like a hundred and sixty thousand now. Okay, so it's about the same size as Victoria. Let's see here. Yeah, almost 170,000. It was like, when I moved there, it was like, I think it was under 100,000. I'm looking it up. Because <laughs> you just need to know now? Oh, it was 118,000 people in 1992. Wow. And now it's almost 170. And so, how did like, you make the leap from... Uh from Eugene because how many years did you bartend full time in Eugene? Uh, 92 until the end of 2008. Oh wow. I started in, I started in Portland January 2nd 2009 was my first day at Quite Common. And that's right you just passed your uh, your 11 years right? 11 years at Quite yeah. And that's incre- I think that's incredible in this day and age because the it's notorious. Well, our industry is notoriously uh, nomadic, but mm-hmm. to sort of, especially with the the success, regardless of its external or internal success of yourself, and just to stay at Clyde Common for eleven years is a testament. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you know, once you find that place, that's just kind of the perfect fit. Why would you? You know, I wouldn't leave just for the sake of leaving. Have you got sort of a different style of outlet with Pepe Lamo downtown downstairs? What do you mean? Uh, like Pepe Lamoco is definitely different to Clyde Common, and you get to yeah, run I mean, both, and you get to run both bar projects. So you yeah. get like the best of both worlds, best of both worlds of what you think, what you want out of your career. Yeah, I guess Pepe is like more of like an intimate cocktail bar. And Clyde's more of like a big, busy, you know, I don't know, gastropub. It really is. It, it, yeah. I find it's always shocking when, uh, I think there's always that sort of air when you win awards and stuff, what you kind of think in your head, what the world's best is. And then you walk into some places that have got these, these nominations and these awards, and you're like, this is absolutely nothing what I expected it to be. And in a great way for, for me, for Clyde, every time I come to Portland, Clyde's my my local. I can go there for breakfast. I can go there for lunch, late night drinks, yeah, everything I want. That's, that's really the whole point, you know, is that it's... I mean, most people that go there have no idea that we've won any awards or anything. They just, you know, which is, I think, a good sign for a bar. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like a place. It's designed to be a place where you can just go hang out you know um, and had you and had they find you 
they knew about me from like my website and stuff. I was I was already pretty well known in Oregon. You know, I mean, even back in like 2008, 2007, if if there was any sort of conversation about bartenders in Oregon or the Pacific Northwest, I was, you know, I came up pretty quickly because my website was, was, um, had been around for a long time. What sort of pushed you to do the website in the first place? Because like really, like when you start, what year did you start, uh, the website? 2004. Which like, I think, a lot of kids don't understand. Like 2004, I don't think even Facebook had even started then. I think Facebook was like no, there was, there was no, there was no Facebook in 2004. It would have been MySpace. Yeah, maybe <laughs> it would have been it would have been MySpace as the only social media platform, or maybe Twitter. Right. But uh, no, like, Twitter didn't web- exist then either. What What was the drive behind starting the website? Because Really, I know blogs were were popular then and they become popular again, but what was the drive to start Um, It was really just to share our recipes at the bar with, um, you know, I guess like our regulars, people that wanted, people that wanted the recipes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also a way to like, you know, I was still doing architecture at that point, so I had my portfolio from school up there and, you know, and that kind of stuff. And then, um, But it was really just to share information with the world. That was the whole point. It still is the whole point. Do you, do you post, reg- like, how regularly do you post on the website now? Um, Pretty regularly. Yeah? You know, yeah, I don't have a set schedule, but I've been posting regularly for 16 years now. Wow. Because I remember your, when your tonic recipes and your ginger beer recipes blew up and uh, because you just couldn't get good tonic and you couldn't get good ginger beer. It was just the way that the market was at that time. Um, still can't get good ginger beer. There's plenty of good tonic out there, but still can't find good ginger beer. We get a fair chunk of good ginger beer up here in BC. A couple of local purveyors as well make some too. Um, yeah. But uh, I remember, I think it was 2009 when you came up for Art of the Cocktail the first time. And I had, I made, I, I batched all your stuff for you so that it was made. Oh, yeah, you had, to, you had to make the ginger beer. <laughs> and I had a couple of bottles that had some gunk in them when I was examining them to send them over to you. And I forgot about them. And I left them on my side. And then the wife and I said, did you get some explosions or something? Oh, yeah. The wife and I were sitting on the couch one night and one bottle just blew up. And when we were moving house, like a year later, we were still finding shards of glass, shards of green glass from that oh, one bottle. No. It literally obliterated into so many small pieces that it was a cap, the little bit of a neck, and that was it. Oh, no. <laughs> and, yeah, the wife has got some great stories about my experiments gone wrong, like marshmallow foam that exploded out of the ISI one time, finding marshmallow foam and on in weird places when we moved the next time. She's like, "What? how did the marshmallow foam get over here? It was six feet away. So, Oh, my God. I just don't do experiments at home anymore. I do it in the bar so that then I can clean it a little bit easier than when I'm doing it in the house. Right, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't experiment at the house much anymore. I used to all the time. It's such a nightmare. 
just gets sticky. Everything gets sticky and gross. Yeah. Oh God. So you've been at the forefront of a like a shit ton of trends going through your career, and I think the, the I think the key to you being at that forefront has always been your full transparency. Like as we're talking about the website, like mm-hmm. your experiments with barrel aging after coming back from London, um, pretty much blew up in everybody fucking barrel ages now. Yeah, it's crazy. And that's and literally thirteen years later, people are still barrel aging. Yeah. So what's no, what, not not thirteen years later, like the ten? Ten years later, yeah. Still, like you go to a Manhattan bar in Singapore, and they have a Rick House. I know barrel aged cocktails. How crazy is that? Did you think it was going to blow up like that when you first did it? Um. It it became really popular really quickly. Um, so yeah, I knew I was onto something. I mean, I it's so funny because like I remember the I had this bartender that just um, it didn't work out. He was working there, and he um, he just thought everything I did was like fucking stupid. And I remember, and it came up with barrel aging, and I thought it was, uh, I mean, I know right away if something's a good idea or a bad idea. Like, I just, I just know. And I remember I, I put it on the menu, and this guy was like, that's so stupid. You know, like, that is so dumb. And then, like, a few months later, it's, it's like, in the New York Times. You know, like, it's so funny. <laughs> And that's not so dumb anymore? Not so dumb anymore. Yeah. I just think it's just... It's I like think... I've one read articles... Bigger, what's that? I've read articles of people like, I hate barrel aging. I did it once and it didn't work out. And I'm like, well, what did you do? And they're like, oh, I put a Manhattan in a brand new oak barrel for six months. Like, did you taste it at all the whole time? They're like, no. I don't pull it up. I'm like, that's... Well, of course it's gross. Yeah, what were you gross. thinking? <laughs> It was like the same, like, I mean, it's like, I, I, I get, I've seen the, like, you know, backlash, which is like, whatever, you know, I don't know, it's a dumb thing to get upset about. But it's also like saying, like, whiskey sours suck. Like, I, I, I tried it, and I added, like, six ounces of lemon juice, and it tasted like shit, so. Yeah. Or, like, I know, I know every, everybody has, juice. everybody has a whiskey sour on their menu, so whiskey sours suck you know it's just like all right well but you it's usually those things you, that that sentiment usually comes from people that have never done anything and you uh you you set out always to like try and find like your amaretto sours now like i see amaretto sours listed on menus now with like with an overproof bourbon yeah um, always and they don't even mention you that's just the way they do amaretto sours now <laughs> yeah, that's the cool thing. Like that's that's how you know something has like become like a thing. Is like it doesn't even. Yeah, I don't even get mentioned. You know, where's, which the, is, new, like, the, where's the new house spec? Where's the new house spec? Right, like that's the goal, right? Like, like you know, nobody mentions. You know, the penicillin is just a drink that's on menus now. Yeah. Nobody, nobody says like Sam Ross's penicillin. It's just like the penicillin is just like 
a drink that everybody knows. Which yeah. is like, that's the goal, right? Like, if you really want to contribute to the world of cocktails, you know, the goal is to eventually just not have your name on it anymore and just have it be a thing that everyone, you know, uses and enjoys. Which is why we do these things. We don't do it because we want our name. I mean, it's nice. It's always nice when people put my name, you know, like Morgan Thaler's Amaretto Sour or whatever. That's always nice, yeah. but like, it's not necessary. Like Tommy's Margaritas. Like a Tommy's Margarita, yeah. yeah. Morgan Thaler's Amaretto Sour. There's a, actually an Amaretto up here. Uh, we got a very famous Amaretto here in BC called Sons of Vancouver. And they do a whole schwack load of barrel aging. They're Amaretto's. And so they have a, I've got a bottle downstairs, a bottle of um, their Amaretto aged in Westland peated whiskey barrels. Yeah, why would you want a smoky Amaretto? It sounds really weird, but it tastes like a small. Like when you taste straight, it tastes like a small. Tastes like a what? Small. Oh, a s'more. Huh. Sorry, I speak with a funny accent. I know it's that fake English accent that you have. <laughs> the fake English accent that I have. <laughs> so, as as a as an industry mentor, basically to everybody, the one thing that I've loved that you did last year was at the Poor Symposium in London. Mm-hmm. Was uh, saying like it's okay to be a bartender and just a bartender, and sort of you your whole talk. I, I saw it sh- shared everywhere. Um, was really about not rushing into being a brand ambassador or an influencer or all this sort of shit. And you did start a fake Instagram account, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, the the, the whole point wasn't to, to tell people that they shouldn't be brand ambassadors, but to challenge more to challenge the definition of success in the bar business, which has been sort of redefined as of late as getting out of the bar business. And so I wanted to like, you know, get people to sort of like re-examine their definition of what success means because right now being successful bartender means not tending bar anymore. And I think that that's, I think that's sad. And I wanted to share a bunch of reasons, a few reasons why, Bartending has been really good to me in my life and helpful and, and why staying behind the bar has taught me numerous life lessons. Um, but the, the point wasn't to tell people, you know, not to, not to do it, you know, not to do a certain job. The point was to, to try to get people to examine why, why they think that they can't be behind the bar for more than a few years. Because every one of those reasons that you hear at fucking cocktail conferences and other, you know, bullshit, you know, there's always some sort of seminar. There's always a million seminars on, like, how to get out of the biz, why you need to get out of the biz, Mm -hmm. how impossible it is physically to work in the business, and, you know, how it, it keeps you from doing this and this and that. And it's not true. I mean, it's not physically impossible to tend bar for more than five years. I'm testament to that. I'm not. I'm not some sort of fucking athlete, you know. I'm, you know. But I've, I've somehow managed to be behind the bar for almost 24 years now, physically. 
and I'm not in amazing physical shape, you know, like I take, <laughs> I, I, I take care of myself, but I like, you know, I, I, I don't it's not like to, you're waking you know, up at 4.30 in the morning to go to the gym to make sure you're stretched out. Right, exactly. <laughs> so what, why do you think, why do you think this trend has become sort of so, is it, do you think it's a social media thing? Do you think that people, like I, like for me, bartending makes me happy and yeah. I think if you're if you're bartending now and you're still and you're not happy changing up your position or do what you're doing like in the industry is probably still not going to make you happy yeah I, I would agree with that I also think that like there are a lot of you know I talk about there are a lot of people out there that say you know if you if you're having a hard time behind the bar if you're not enjoying it you need to quit. And that, that kind of bothers me too, you know, that like this idea that like, if you have a bad day or a bad week or a bad month, you should just quit your fucking job. Yeah. And that's, and, and for some reason, bartenders are like the only people like service industry, are the only people we say that to, like you would never, you would never say to like, you know, uh, like some sort of healthcare provider, like if you're having a, a hard month, you should just fucking quit. Like you would never, you would never say that to like the, the garbage man, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're having a hard, if you're having a hard week, you know, you should find another, like that would be considered extremely rude. But for some reason we have no problem telling people in the service industry that like, if it's hard for you to like, plaster a fucking smile on your face that you should, you know, you should quit your career that like, I mean, we, you know, like I'm going through, you know, I'm going through a pretty brutal breakup right now. And it's really unpleasant to go and paste a fucking smile on my face at work. Yeah. I'm miserable but I'm not going to quit my fucking job. You know, like I do the best I can. And, and if, um, you know, and if it's not, if I'm not at a hundred percent and somebody comes in and they don't have like the most life changing experience of their lives, getting a fucking amaretto sour from me because I, you know, maybe I'm not as perky as, as, as I would like to be. It's tough shit, you know? <laughs> well, I think that's always the hard thing is I think a lot of us get into this business because of passion and the business side of things is never, uh, is something that's a secondary thing until you get older. Like, I think a lot of young bartenders these days get into it because they want to make cocktails and stuff and I find a lot of them skip a lot of big steps. Like, bar back in a nightclub changes your life, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, like bar backing and nightclubs change your life. Working in a local pub gives you a whole different sense of how to com- like have a conversation with people. Um, and I think everybody, like I've got 22 year old kids who are jumping straight into some of the best cocktail bars in Victoria. I'm like, you kind of missed some steps. Like I didn't take, I didn't get a real cocktail bar job, like a real cocktail bar job till I was like 26, 27. And that was only for a yeah, couple of years before I left Australia. 
That's also kind of a myth, though. Like, I, I've seen plenty of kids start with me at age 22, work at a cocktail bar, kind of fall in love with the business and say, I want to experience more and leave to go work in a neighborhood tavern or a dive bar or club. I've seen plenty of people do it the opposite way. So I think that this idea that, like, everyone's starting at the top is is a, like a bit of a myth. The, you can't you can't disagree like, with. I'm the host. You can't disagree with me. I I know it's just like <laughs> another one of these. It's another one of these fucking myths perpetuated by like old barters that you know like wanna. It, it's just I, it's not true. I think it's a little. I mean, bit it, like it, it, it happens. It happens occasionally, but like the the opposite is also very true, and nobody it's talks true. about that. Like you know. So after that uh, talk at the the poor symposium, um, you mentioned that a ton of bartenders came up to you and really thanked you for sort of like a positive reinforcement that they had just that they're just happy being like working the job that they've got right now. They're not chasing, but they don't feel like they're like fomoing out on being a brand ambassador or a traveling bartender or an author. Yeah. Yeah, it was really nice. To, to get that kind of positive feedback, especially from younger bartenders that like, I feel like a lot of the younger bartenders are being force fed these, these ideas from older bartenders, a lot of whom don't work in the, don't work behind the bar anymore. And they get up there and they tell them, you know, all sorts of things about how the world works and how they should do this and do that. And I just, you know, I, I came from a place of just like, I'm, I am an older bartender, and I do still attend bar just like you. Unlike 95% of the people that go and talk at these things. I mean, just look at the lineup at, like, every... Look at the lineup at every cocktail conference. Any bartender that's, like, over 40, you can almost guarantee that they don't work behind the bar anymore. So I think that, I, I think that those guys we're kind of refreshed to, to hear from somebody that actually knows what they're going through. And it was, it was, you know, it, it, um, it definitely kind of filled me up, you know, it was really nice to hear from them. And I think they thought it was nice to hear from me. It was just like, you know, it was an amazing, like you're, you're, I think it was the, the one session I've seen videos of you or that you were ridiculously animated. You were literally bouncing off the walls. Yeah, I was terrified. That during that session oh I'm, I'm the same I'm always terrified when I speak like hard like I can talk and sell when I've got a bar in between me like a three foot piece of wood um, but you put me up on stage and I am terrified even though yeah, people don't think that about that room like really scary to me like I, I only had like one cup of coffee that day too like I was you know like I was I was I should have been very calm but like that room was like really intense. It was like really hot in there and there's so many people and they're crammed. They're crammed in there, like right up to the stage. Like it was like a really, like I was, and they were all bartenders, you know, Rockstar moment really, sort of thing. I was really scared. It was tough. It, you, it was, was an amazing. I was glad that it, thanks man. I was, I was glad that it, that it got well. Cause I was really, and, and also like the, the lineup of talent at the poor symposium is like, crazy you know it's like all of these just like people who are like changing the world and then me you know it's like fucking jackass from 
Portland, Oregon. <laughs> you know, like there's all these people who are like, you know, combating slavery and, you know, changing ecosystems for the better. Just like crazy lineup of people. And then just, you know, we're going to close it out with fucking dipshit Morgan dollars. <laughs> but do you, but do you think like, I'm, I'm sure you're not going to admit this, but like for me, your bar book changed a lot of the way people did prep. Like there was a lot of, cause again, it's one of those things. Like, so, Google, I mean, that was the point, you know, it was Google's great. Like you can Google anything and you've got a supercomputer in your pocket, but, um, bar book really changed like to the point that people go, well, Morgan Thaler t- says it should be done this way. I'm like, okay, cool. That's, that's great. I'll text him and tell him that another bartender has told me that his way is better than the way I want it to get done. But, um, do you hmm. find that as well as just, uh, drinks distilled? Do you find like, this might be a nice moniker for you, but like you're the bartender's bartender. Um, I mean, maybe, you know, I mean, I am a bartender, that's for sure. Um, and I do aim a lot of this stuff at bartenders, you know, and people that want to make drinks, but really I, I've always done what I do because I want to help other bartenders. You know, I mean, I, I know what it was like, I, especially like the bartenders that like are really like the most important to me are the ones that are like in small, small towns, small markets, you know, cause I remember what it was like to be a bartender in a small town and didn't have access to, you know, like if you're a successful bartender in like New York city, that's great. But you no, know, like back in the day, being able to just like walk down the street to Pegu Club and like yeah. have an amazing drink and like pick their brain, like, and then the you network. turn out to be yeah, and then you turn out to be somebody that also makes great drinks. It's like maybe less impressive than somebody that comes from a small town. And well, like even really- Port- even Portland, when you first started at Clycom, Portland wasn't there was like only a handful of cocktail bars. And it, it was like us, us and teardrops, really. Yeah, you know. And and there was and really Portland was still not on the map. Yeah, like Seattle I mean, this was like sort of there, from, like, but coming from like yeah. Eugene, I had to figure all this stuff out because there wasn't a bar where I could walk down the street to and pick their brain on how they make their grenadine because nobody mm-hmm. had ever made grenadine before. <laughs> and the thing um, is, even then, like there was like you didn't have smartphones. It's not like you, no. if you if you wanted to look stuff up, if you didn't have a laptop, you were going to the library and like clocking in time, paying for internet time to like Just search the stuff out. Yeah. Oh. I come from a really small town in Victoria in Australia, even two thousand and five, two thousand six. I think I got my first laptop in maybe two thousand five. Huh. Yeah. I'm a, like dude, my High school, my graduating class in high school, this is how small my town was, in 1997, was 62 kids. Wow. I come from a small, like, I didn't wear shoes till I was 18. Okay, well, now you're just like... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not over-exaggerating. I just, just my town, like, my primary school, when I graduated primary school, was only 25 kids in the whole school, seven grades. Hmm. So I come from like yokel, like yokel in the sticks in Australia. Yeah. yeah. I'm just very, I'm just very refined and a gentleman now ish. You guys you made your own grenadine back then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> the grenadine. Jesus. Uh, grenadine. 
Um, so what's, what's your big plan for 2020? You've got, you've, I can't believe that Bar Book came out six years ago. That, that blows my mind. I feel like it only came out like two or three years ago and distilled, drinks distilled only came out like maybe 18 months tops ago. Right. Like it seems like it's just gone so quick. I know. God, imagine how I feel. Um, yeah. my big plan for 20, I don't, I never have like a big plan for the year. Um, I just kind of take it as it comes. Honestly, um, I'm going to, you know, I just gonna, I'm just going to keep doing what I do, which is, you know, plugging away and sharing information and making drinks and working in a bar and managing an amazing staff of people. And, you know, that's just all I've ever done, really. Is there a, is there a spot is there a spot in the world that you haven't traveled to that you'd like to like drink related spot like have you done Scotland have you done Mexico have you done all the like brand esque trips I would like to go I would like to spend more time in in Asia I've only ever been to Hong Kong and that was in 1987. Um, I would, um, I, you know, I would like to, I, I, I've been to Mexico distilleries. I've been to distilleries in Scotland, uh, cognac, obviously with you. I don't have really have much of a desire to go to a bunch more distilleries. I think that if you've seen one distillery, you've kind of seen them all. Mm-hmm. And distilleries are, are about the least interesting places in the world to me, you know, um, I, I know that sounds kind of like sacrilege, you know, that people are just like have to go to every distillery, but it, you know, it's just a bunch of tanks and pipes and, you know, sometimes there's barrels and it's just, they're all the same, you know, it's like, that's yeah. not, it doesn't, I, I don't feel like it helps me as a bartender seeing exactly how the sausage is made, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it really doesn't like, um, I, I would like to go to more places with, you know, restaurants and bars and, and see that side of, of things more than the production. Old, but yeah. I couldn't give two shits about that anymore. It's just, it's really boring. <laughs> um, but like, you know, I would like to travel more and go to more like old school bars and restaurants and, and, see that you know i feel like you can learn so much more at like a steakhouse that's been around for a hundred years looking at Mm. you know getting a peek behind their bar than you can seeing your your tequila distillery in two days you know it's just like i don't know how that's supposed to help you well it depends on how much you actually and how much you actually retain after going to five distilleries in two days well also like what is you know what are you gonna what do you take away from that? You know? So is there another book on the uh, horizon? Um, yes, but I can't talk about it. I haven't pitched it yet. Oh, wow. So it's like fresh, yeah. fresh. Uh, it's been rolling around for the past like six months. And for like, for bartenders out there who who have got a book idea, like I'm actually doing a session next week on how to get published or how to pitch an idea, what's your point? What's your uh, your piece of advice when it comes to getting published? 
Um, well, I feel like it's easier to get published when you already have a body of work. Uh, I meet so many people that are like, oh, I would really, I would love to be a writer. And, and I don't do anything. Well, you just, you know, you should, you should write. They're like, oh, well, I, you know, I, I don't think I could get a book deal. It's like, oh, I didn't have a book deal for, I don't know. 14 years or whatever, <laughs> wrote, you know, I wrote on a website, like that's how you, it was very popular and people liked it. And, you know, I wrote on there for well over a decade for free. You know, that's, um, that's a great way to get started. But I, I you know, um, I think that's a really good idea for people that want to get a book published is, uh, write a whole bunch of stuff. And your last thought, before we round this up, your last thought for young bartenders out there, if they haven't seen your your poor symposium uh, talk, what's your last thought for young bartenders out there feeling like they're, they're in, a, in a career rut, I suppose is probably the best term to put it. Well, if you are in a career rut and you would like to see my poor symposium talk, you can just go to my website, uh, click on videos, and uh, you can see every video that I've ever been in. Have you got every video up there? Um, yeah, definitely. Awesome. I'll post a link to that, and everybody can go watch your watch your stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe if you're feeling like you're in a rut uh, and you're a bartender, maybe that would help. You know, I mean, that's what it was. That was my hope. You know that that uh, that it would help. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time, man. I know that you're you're a busy man, and I'm absolutely a hundred percent grateful that this is my hundredth episode uh, of the so podcast. Yeah, I've, I we just had Whiskey Fest the weekend just gone, and uh, I did eight podcasts in two days, and ten podcasts in four. It's just it's second nature now. So I'm doing yeah. another podcast this afternoon. So it's just this sort of constant who's in town. Where, like who's in town who can I sit down with where am I traveling to I'm going to Vegas for vacation next month so I'm sitting down with Francesco I'm sitting down with Andrew Pollard I'm sitting down with Tobin yeah oh, you're so, very um, you're very natural you're very good at it oh thanks buddy I yeah. try to be I just, I, I just like to be honest like I fanboy out pretty hard even with you like I I, I class you as a good friend but still as a mentor and a peer it's uh, it's uh-huh. it's it, I still look up your stuff. Your grenadine recipe is the same grenadine recipe that I use for all the consulting jobs I do. And, yeah. uh, like it, and it's crazy. Your uh, sangrita recipe as well back in the day. Um, God, we just made that the other day. One of my um, fucking days saw, saw it in the book and she was like, what is that? I told her about it. And she was like, can you make one? And she like, yeah. I hadn't made it in years and years. I made it. And, I was, and we were all just like, yeah, this is really pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I opened up Cafe Mexico, we had three different styles of Sangrita. So we had Authentic, we had Americano, and we had uh, like a Nouveau version that we sort of rotated through and played with tomatillos and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, your, your Sangrita was on the menu for a long time. I love that. Thanks, man. Yeah. So, but thanks again, buddy. I will... Uh, of course. Try, I'd love to... The wife's still on my back about coming to Portland. So I got to come to yeah. Portland and just hang out with you for a couple of days. I would love that. Anytime. Hey, my friend. I'll chat to you soon, okay? Okay, Sean. Thanks so much. Thanks, buddy. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening, Pose Shifters. I well, hope you enjoyed that episode. I really enjoy sitting down with friends and peers and uh, just chatting about the industry and getting down to the nuts and bolts of what's really going on out there. Uh, make sure you like, subscribe, comment, everything on all the platforms. Just hit it up and I'll do my best to answer any queries or questions you have. I'll see you next week, guys. Bye.